0: Hi, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare Podcast series. My name is Jacob Emerson. I'm with Becker's Hospital Review. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined by Katie Tucker and Ed Stadalnik, who are both consultants at Spencer Stewart. Katie leads Spencer Stewart's America's healthcare practice across all sectors, focusing on health tech and digital health. She's also a member of the technology and digital officer practice and has worked across industries placing executives who serve as the technologist as leader, managing transformation and integrating emerging technology. And Ed leads Spencer Stewart's technology and digital officer practice in North America, focusing on executive search and leadership advisory services for chief officers covering technology, digital information, data and product. He has deep experience in the high tech healthcare and financial services industries and advises clients ranging from Fortune 500 to emerging middle market companies and leading private equity firms. So, Katie and Ed, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today.
1: Thank you. We are delighted to be here.
0: Fantastic. Well, with that, let's jump right into our conversation. Katie, I want to go to you first and talk a little bit about Spencer Stewart's healthcare and technology and digital officer practices. Tell us a little bit about that and and what it is that you do.
1: Perfect. So Katie Tucker, as as you said, and um, a little bit of a backdrop on Spencer Stewart, we are a global leadership advisory firm um, and help organizations find, develop, and accelerate the performance of their senior leaders and their teams. So we believe that an organization's greatest performance lever and honestly, greatest value creator is its people. And those people are mobilized by leadership and optimized, honestly, through um, effective teams, a strong and aligned culture, and deep organizational engagement. And if you think about the, the combination of those factors, the unlock of value and growth and positive impact on the organization is significant. Um, our healthcare practice uh, specifically is 55 consultants globally. About 35 of those are in the US. Um, and honestly, it is an incredible range of experience, of industry knowledge, of focus in the market, um, both across sectors as well as functionally. We work primarily with healthcare boards, CEOs, executive teams. Um, private equity firms, backers of varying kinds, to help those organizations look at how their strategies are performing, how they can enable their leaders to do more, Um, and and honestly, how we think about their organizational design and and how to enable them to, to meet their customers' needs and ultimately in healthcare, drive healthcare outcomes in a positive way. We do a number of assignments, and and this is really across all sectors and all functions, as as mentioned, we've conducted more than 2,000 senior executive and board level assignments in the past three years. And even with the pandemic and all of the changes going on um, around the globe, about 98% of our placements are still in their roles today. So that's a little bit of context on Spencer Stewart and the healthcare practice and would love to pass to Ed to talk a bit more about our technology and digital officer practice.
2: Thanks, Katie. And again, this is Ed Sedolnik. I lead our technology and digital officer practice here in North America. We're about a 60 person practice globally with about half of those resources, 30 or so here in the United States. And we actually work across industry and I'll talk a little bit about our um Uh, collaboration with the healthcare practice in a moment, but we focus on um, developing and identifying um, technology leaders, as well as advising those leaders across several different technology domains. It includes engineering, data science and analytics, cybersecurity, IT, uh, product, as well as digital. And we will work, um, as I mentioned, across industry, but we have a particularly strong partnership with our healthcare practice, as Katie is a member of both practices. Um, And as we look at digital trends in healthcare, we link arms as we work with clients and work with executives
0: in the market. Interesting. So global teams working in a lot of different spaces. Katie, I want to talk to you about first about the term digital health. Uh, it, It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So can you start by grounding us here in the way of how you think about digital and how you see it transforming the healthcare space?
1: Uh, and, and Jacob, that is a really astute question, honestly, because amazingly, most people do have a definition of that in their mind, and yet very often that is a different definition from the person sitting next to them, the company they compete with most, um, and, it, and it does, to your point, it means a lot of different things to, to a lot of different people. So we do try to frame that up in a way that is approachable, accessible, and practical. And and it provides people a way to connect with not only the term, but what they're trying to achieve. So if you think about it in the categories of, and this is how we approach it as well, um, there's an opportunity to improve your operational aspects of your organization. So productivity gains, profitability, ease of use. And we think about that as kind of digital operations. So optimizing, taking the friction out of the operational aspects of an organization. And then there is a component that many people focus on where you're looking at new and innovative digital business models. So how do we change our revenue model? How do we change our customer experience? How do we look at engagement with our our customers in a different way? And how do we gain insights on how to enhance those relationships um, through data? And then if you kind of come across the spectrum of things that, that this means to varying people, there is also a strong interest by many to look at growth market expansion and retention of both customers as well as employees. And that really hinges on thinking about in healthcare, how do we use telemedicine? And how do we think about serving other markets with exceptionally talented providers who may reside or have studied elsewhere? So all of these things can become factors of the conversation And by enabling the leaders and the stakeholders that are hoping to drive transformation or innovation or wherever this may play a critical role, um, it really helps us to understand what we're solving for. if If you think about the factors of success or transformation or innovation, there are a series of different variables that we hope to help solve for. And so defining those and then thinking through the ways to meet the demands of that equation um, is often how we approach a search strategy around some of these these roles. Um, And underlying all of that is data. And this is the tie to um, the technology officer and digital practice is How do you create a foundational layer of data that enables easy access, hopefully useful insights, and a mechanism for sharing those insights across all decision makers and all um, points across the organization, including the relationship with the consumer or patient? So I'll stop there. That's a lot of information. I apologize for the the deep dive, but it, to your point earlier, it is a it is a complex topic and a complex definition.
0: Absolutely, and you know we appreciate the deep dive as much as possible, Katie. So thank you. And, and it really sounds like approachable and practical definition around defined goals. And I'd be really curious to hear your your thoughts here on defining digital health.
2: Yeah, I think there's one key sub-theme that Katie touched on within digital health, and that's really around data science and analytics. As as we know in the healthcare space, um, data has always been an asset. Uh, You know, you think of informatics and population health and analytics, but really the evolution of data science in areas such as artificial intelligence and machine learning, the evolution of data tools and technologies has really allowed healthcare um, to get to that next level. And that next level includes clinical outcomes. It includes operational efficiencies. It includes the patient experience. And so I think when we have digital as a broad overarching term, in particular data science and analytics continues to be at the forefront of that digital evolution.
0: Got it. Okay, so data is key here, especially with the emergence of these new analytical tools you know, a, we've got a pretty broad range of challenges here for the for health systems across the country. We're seeing hospitals and health systems that are, are well-equipped to deal with some, others less so. So Katie, how would you say you're seeing providers respond to these challenges or even use digital to seek out new opportunities?
1: Great question. And as mentioned, we're kind of solving for an equation with multiple variables. And I would say each of those variables also has um, awaiting, depending on the organization and their priorities and their aspirations as well, we see some organizations look at building the foundational layer of data, as Ed as highlighted, and that's really the first step to how they're going to improve their operational aspects, improve their productivity, and ideally, and again, this is always the primary goal, drive better relationships with patients, better understanding of circumstances and overall improved outcomes. So we do see some organizations kind of focus on building that foundation and then coming up, um, I would say the technology stack as well as the use cases from there. Other organizations focus on showing and I would say even proving to the organization all of its leaders and even its, its users internally as well as externally, that this can work. And this is an exciting aspect of how we're going to operate going forward. So they focus on um, understanding their client base and engaging patients and users of all kinds through digital mechanisms. So the, suddenly that becomes this market-facing experiential aspect of digital and use that as a, as a starting point and then kind of come back into how that's gonna be rolled out across operations and even internal infrastructure as well. So it, it really is an innovation journey that is approached from many different angles. And I think one of the things we try to better understand through early discussions with organizations is where are you today on this maturity curve for use of data analytics, technology tools, and and digital capabilities, and where do we meet you to to help amplify or accelerate the the movement along that maturity curve? Um, so it you know one of the things that I think really did influence or change how organizations thought about this is the fact that we had no other option during COVID than to see our providers remotely and through digital means. That also meant that there was a whole population of patients that had to go learn their digital log on. <laughs> I think, I think one of the major unlocks for using digital capabilities was the fact that people had to go figure it out the first time. And then suddenly they had saved their password and they could do it again and they didn't have to sit in a waiting room, didn't have to um, re- experience all the other friction point that we've become so accustomed to. Um, so I, I, it, it, that kind of gives you a, a starting point. I would say the solutions are many and varied, and they really have to align with the strategy of an organization as well as how able they are to, to adopt some of these capabilities.
0: Sure. And really what you said there, Katie, an innovation journey kind of encompasses that whole answer there of, you know, even forcing these systems into these new uh, operations because of the pandemic. It's all part of that innovation journey. Uh, it, it sounds like you're really saying, though, at the end of the day, it's building that data foundation and then proving that these digital mechanisms can work with these with these individual systems and among their patients. Um, so, so talk to us a little bit about the, the talent trends that we're seeing right now been a big shift from even a few years ago. What are, what are some of the pros, the cons of bringing in non-healthcare tech talents, um, And how can systems really determine if this is the right move to be, to be bringing in some of this external talent? And Ed, I want to go to you on this one first. Yeah, absolutely. And we always have this discussion. I'll even go beyond
2: often to always with with healthcare clients as they look at their digital transformation journeys. And and really the answer is, um, it depends in terms of looking at talent from within the industry and outside the industry. At the most basic level, we advise organizations to look at both um, for a variety of reasons. But where they land often determines is based on a couple of factors. Um, One is really, what are you trying to solve? And it's, you know, an example might be if your digital initiative is really dr- driven around clinical outcomes and changes um, to clinical procedures and capabilities, you may trend a little bit more towards someone from the healthcare space with a digital orientation. On the flip side though, if you're really thinking about engaging with consumers and attracting consumers in the market, there could be a variety of different industries that are leading edge in terms of consumer engagement from a digital perspective that healthcare organizations could tap into their experience set to really drive patient experience and outcomes. Um, A second uh, dimension that we talk to our clients about is really how mature are you from a digital perspective? And Katie touched on this, but at the end of the day, if you're fairly advanced from a digital perspective in the healthcare space, you may want to look from outside uh, experience to take you to that next level. So if you have that solid digital foundation from a healthcare perspective, having an outside uh, executive come in from another industry could be terrific. However, if you're just starting on your digital journey or it's very nascent, um, and you're, you're, you're needing to have sort of that healthcare expertise, then you may wanna go in that direction. Finally, we just say to organizations, what's, what's your overall enterprise appetite for disruption? Um, what is your appetite for hearing ideas that are different, that are not traditional? And that may keep you within or go outside the industry overall. So in summary, it's what are you trying to solve? How mature is your organization?
0: And what's your appetite for disruption in the digital space? Absolutely. That's really interesting. Ed, are you, are you finding that because so many healthcare organizations have become so tech-centric over the past few years, that that is why we're seeing them able to bring in non-healthcare tech talent?
2: I think there's a couple reasons. One is I think the, on the first hand, because the acceleration of change is so intense in healthcare. There's almost a generational skip of technology where healthcare organizations are going from, you know, technology solutions and processes that are 15, 20 years old, right up to the modern age. There's just a really rich transformation journey that's going on that attracts people. But then in addition, uh, you know, coming out of the COVID pandemic, and there's a lot of mission-driven orientation around technologists. They want to use their experience to drive change, but change for good. And healthcare is really seen at the forefront of uh, a place where a mission driven technology executive can shift their career.
0: Absolutely. And I know from our perspective, reporting on all of these new roles that we're, we're constantly seeing healthcare systems implement, there really has been a prolifer- proliferation of tech centric C suite roles um, across hospitals, health systems, payers. Uh, we've seen the chief digital officer role really emerge, chief tech officer, chief products, um, so many others. So, Katie, how do you think these roles differ, one, um, in terms of definitions, but how can organizations determine which one is best for them?
1: Yes, very thought-provoking question, (laughs) and one that we have really worked on solving as well, because while in some ways the terms are interchangeable, and we do see organizations use them often in very similar ways. There are some key differentiators and each one does still require a a defining conversation with not only the organization, but even with the executives you're talking to who either hold these roles or similar roles um, in other organizations. So there are there's some core archetypes that we think about and often the titles align with that as well. Um, So if you kind of think about your digital visionary, the person who is the evangelist and is helping to shape business models or shape other service offerings and and partnerships, you'll often see that person defined as the chief digital officer or the chief digital and strategy officer. Um, At varying points, innovation or transformation will make its way into that title as well. And many times the organization is just trying to send a message around the mandate. What is this person doing for the organization? How are they challenging norms? And what is their functional stack, You know, functional responsibility and accountability to the organization? So often this chief digital officer will be the big thinker, the challenger, the disruptor, Sometimes they also have come from a very deeply technical background. Other times they simply know and and are experts in how to use the tools to get the outcomes you're looking to drive. So you see people sometimes who aren't deeply technical, never built those capabilities or built the technology to enable it, but they know how to use it. They know how to make those tools do magical things, um, not only for the users but but for those who benefit from the enhanced services. If if you think about a CTO, and this is where the lines get a little fuzzy or a little blurred, but a CTO um, is often someone who is building the products. They are transforming the internal technology architecture. They're thinking about how to influence business processes by supporting them in different ways with different data assets or different insights on the business. But it's usually a core technical function that they are looking at how all the technology hangs together, how you're gonna use it and how to shape that to support future goals. CTOs often are given some commercial or market-facing responsibility as well. So this is where it blurs a little bit with your digital evangelist. Um, and again, sometimes that person is called a CTO. So again, there nothing is exactly perfect. Um, but those are that's typically where the lines are drawn between digital and, and chief technology officer. Um, and then there is very much still a need for someone who is a might be called a CIO or a um, really an IT leader, information technology leader. And this is the person who is looking at um, optimizing the systems that support core functions like um, HR, legal, finance, um, sales and marketing, customer relationship management, um, security is a big one. Um, You know, looking at creating mobile operating environments, and they are very much focused on the technology framework that enables that. And sometimes because they are so focused on enterprise management, they don't have that strategic focus on the market or um, p and responsibility, depending on kind of how that's defined um, our market facing experience as deeply. Um, so those, those are kind of the primary levels of differentiation. And I don't, there are other questions related to that. Feel free to, to fire away. But those are some pillars of each of the, the titles or the functions.
0: Sure, sure. And it, it... It's interesting, Katie, to hear you say that these are functional titles, functional positions, of course, but they're also sometimes symbolic about where the organization wants to go and where they see their strategy. I think one of the favorite examples I've heard recently of non-tech talent coming over to healthcare was at Calvert Health in Maryland. They had hired a nuclear engineer um, to be their CIO or their head of cybersecurity there. Um, So, so fascinating examples we're seeing around the country, and they were talking about that at one of our health IT conferences a few months back. Ed, what are your thoughts here in terms of how these, all these new roles differ from each other and really deciding on what your specific health system needs to implement? Yeah, I think there's, there's one trend that we're seeing that beyond just these roles,
2: um, you have a level of sophistication growing um, at the board level as it relates to digital. So you have, in some instances, boards of healthcare organizations and other organizations and other industries actively seeking digital savvy technologists to join their board. So I think at the board level, you're seeing a, a, a level of sophistication that's growing. At the CEO level, you're seeing a level of sophistication as well. And so these CEOs, while they themselves may not be digital leaders, they understand the potential for digital, they've seen it in action, and they're increasingly bringing in direct reports regardless of title, to drive that digital journey. Um, There are many stakeholders within healthcare organizations, but one in particular, as we look at physicians and clinicians, they're increasingly in the flow. I mean, they're understanding different technologies that are out there. They're thinking differently. Um, They're looking at innovative ways to drive patient outcomes. And so we're seeing an increased level of sophistication there. That sophistication increase at the board, CEO and clinician level is really helping organizations define more effectively what they're seeking whether that's you know digital disruption and new business models or it's you know evolution of data science and analytics or a deep technology focus and really upscaling technology solutions and i think those factors lead to organizations making more informed decisions about what digital means to them whereas 5 to 10 years ago it was a buzzword and a buzzword that caused a lot of confusion and Now
0: I think it's a lot more uh, deliberate on behalf of organizations. That's fascinating that we're seeing the boards as well uh, incorporate these positions. I know on the ground through our reporting again, we saw Centene last week. They named the former CIO of American Airlines to their Mm -hmm. board of directors. So so fascinating to see this happen Um, on the whole. Ed, what are the leadership implications of all of this demand for digital? Uh, are, is it for better patient experiences? Is it for innovating through technology? Um, d- does everyone, even roles not exclusively focused on digital, do they need to understand tech and its impact on the organization as well?
2: I, I think at the most baseline level, you can't be an effective um, leader in the healthcare space, regardless of what your area of focus is, without having some sort of appreciation for the potential for technology. You don't have to have you know, the algorithm that's gonna solve the data science problem. You don't have to know, you know the, the best cloud solutions available to your organization. But if you're not understanding the fact that the digital transformation um, evolution is, is already well underway, I think you'd be left behind. So I think whether it's a, you know, an operational executive, a clinical leader, um, uh, an administrative leader, having that baseline understanding of how digital has been impacting the industry Ways other organizations are leveraging digital technology, you would definitely be at a significant disadvantage and left behind. It's very rare these days to see the executive doesn't have that initial understanding of digital. Where we, you know, help organizations is getting to that next level of what does it mean for you? Where are there different talents in the market that could help you on your journey?
1: And I would add to that there also has been this um meeting of the minds and and collaborative effect that we've seen happen in healthcare in the past four to five years um, in a much more accelerated way i think there's such a history of many failed attempts for if i if i think about it kind of in a catchphrase you know silicon valley has never been able to um drive Value and improvement in healthcare in a real way. And so I think that what we've seen shift is this kind of immediate resistance and even bias to look um, into industries where technology is further along that maturity curve because there, there was lots of experience where it hadn't worked before. And I think in general, the healthcare sector had basically said, you know, we are not interested in cool. We are interested in care and we are interested in making sure that people have improved well-being overall, that they're healthy, that they're thinking about, you know, their overall health care. And if it has some cool bells and whistles, that is not our primary focus. And I think now that has shifted to if, if it's really about the data that provides insights that lets everyone on the healthcare continuum make better decisions to drive better healthcare outcomes, that is something healthcare can rally around. (laughs) And so I think once the lens changed on what this really is and what it can be used for, we saw a lot of change happen in the industry, a lot more receptivity to um, really what this could do and what the outcomes could be.
0: I mean, that's such an interesting point that you make, though, Katie, about how healthcare had been so resistant to be, quote unquote, cool uh, for so long or to, to really integrate with with other tech leaders. Oh, are, are there any systems when you talk about the history of this trend that you, you think have really spearheaded this effort um, of transformation or any regions of the country you think are are, are ahead of this and others?
1: It is a really great question. I, I, you know, there are a couple of examples that do come to mind, and and one, you know, not surprisingly, um, you know, sits in the same neighborhood with with Microsoft and Amazon. <laughs> so, if you think about what what Providence did in recruiting a number of ex Amazon, ex Microsoft executives to. And and really, because there was this shared understanding and this community that they served where all of a sudden the virtuous cycle seemed very approachable and and interesting. Um, You know, that's an organization that that embraced it, I think, early because it was comfortable, because these were known entities, because it was the communities that they served. you know, the the Stanford system, I think, has also benefited from kind of being in the same neighborhood, serving um, the people who are involved in the organizations, driving a lot of transformation. And yet you also see examples like, um, and this one will sound somewhat odd, and I'm not saying that it is, you know, kind of on the the cutting edge of experience, but when you have um, integrated populations and you're using a a health plan to support the organization that is also part of the organization um, as well, you know, Intermountain or others that that fall in that category, the use of data was something that happened very early and the use of shared data across multiple points of patient engagement, um, that led to an acceleration of how to use technology um, very early. So I would say, in many ways, it's, it's the circumstances that enabled organizations to really be the tip of the spear and try some things differently. That also ties to culture of the organization as well. Um, you know, are we willing to try a few things and maybe um, insulate ourselves from failures in healthcare? failures in technology are are fine as long as we can get to the other side we don't want any failures in healthcare so creating mechanisms um, to provide um, insulation from anything that would have an overarching negative impact so you do see some organizations creating separate entities to house their innovation group or their investment in this digital ecosystem and the companies or the partners they need to support that too. So yes, there are absolutely some early adopters. There is a whole world of fast followers. And and then there are those, um, you know, kind of slow adopters who are making their way. <laughs> it's a full spectrum.
0: Sure, <laughs> sure, absolutely. And it makes sense, you know, if you're right down the street from the big tech, well, you've got all of that opportunity right there. Um, Katie, if you were to leave, CEOs, other C-suite leaders with a few pieces of practical advice as we head into the new year with all the challenges that exist here, Um, as they lead their organizations through major digital shifts, what would you tell them about the the uncertainty that a lot of systems are facing right now? And and Ed, I'd like for you to follow with that as well.
1: One thing I I think we have learned to trust, and, and, and hopefully the organizations will too, is that Typically, the CEOs are in those roles. The boards are in their roles because they have an exceptional track record of making great decisions on insights, data, um, macro factors, all of the things that go into great decision making. And they have that capability here, too. So asking all of the questions that enable you to make a decision on this the use of technology, the use of digital to fulfill your strategy. I would say, trust your instincts and ask the dumb questions. You know, quote, dumb questions. (laughs) They're not dumb. You know, that these leaders absolutely understand how to make great decisions. And so ask the questions that enable you to gain insight on what great technology for your organization to fulfill your hopes and dreams and that of the organization, to fulfill that strategy and have it work. um, You know, that's the best mechanism for getting to the right outcome. So probably not hugely helpful in the trust your instincts, you know, kind of um, response. And yet that really enables the organizations that help you get there to understand what you're solving for.
2: Yeah, I think one important word Katie used was outcome. Um, And I think as CEOs and boards and and healthcare organizations are are embarking on their digital journey or continuing on their digital journey, um, helping to not only define what what is needed for the organization, but pushing your digital leadership to drive specific outcomes because it avoids the danger of um, sort of pie in the sky buzzwords and sort of failed promises and really driving to what are we trying to accomplish and what are those specific outcomes that can be realized in a reasonable amount of time.
0: Fantastic. Well, a lot of really great insights, and we covered a lot of topics today here. So, Katie, Ed, I really want to thank you for your time and an excellent discussion with us today.
1: Well, we appreciate it greatly. Clearly, this is um, something we have a lot of passion around, um, and it really is a, a, a privilege to be able to help organizations define what this looks like. And again, we share the goal of improved healthcare outcomes. It helps all of us.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's a privilege to speak with you both. I'd also like to thank Spencer Stewart as well for sponsoring this episode. You can also tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at becker'spodcasts.com.